Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the sports desk of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal and RedRaiders.com, here's your look at all things Texas Tech sports. Now, here's the Red Raider Podcast. And hello, everyone. I'm Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, sports editor for the newspaper, bringing you another edition of the Red Raider Podcast. This time it's men's basketball edition, and with that in mind, we've got a men's basketball beat writer for the Iowa State Cyclones, who the Texas Tech Red Raiders play at 8.30 on Thursday. Travis Hines, Des Moines Register. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. Glad well, to be here. Well, I think we all are because I know it's been different, obviously, with COVID and kind of all those other things. Things seem to be normal. I know you all talked to TJ about that earlier today. We'll talk with Mark a little bit later. But before that, I just wanted to do a little bit of a preview for this game. Both teams have played each other. First time due to health and safety concerns, Texas Tech had seven players, battled, weren't able to get it done. Then they went back to Lubbock. Then they got that victory, split it. I guess for you, Travis, what are you kind of expecting from Iowa State? I know Mark had mentioned, well, you kind of do what you do well. We play good defense, and we're going to try and score. I'd imagine the same as for uh, Iowa State. Yeah, I mean, I look at this where Texas Tech and Iowa State are trying to do a lot of similar things where – it starts on the defensive end, and then you kind of, I don't want to say hope and pray offensively, but certainly it, sometimes it feels like it comes down to that. I mean, I look at the score for Texas Tech on Saturday against Oklahoma State. Yeah. You know, last week Iowa State scored 36 points at yeah. home uh, against Oklahoma State, which was the all-time Hilton Coliseum low, mm-hmm. which they had set two weeks prior yeah. against TCU. So they really struggle offensively. And I think, you know, when you look back to that game that Iowa State won, against Texas Tech in Hilton in January, you know, they scored three baskets in the second half yeah. and still won. It's hard for me to think if Texas Tech is fully healthy at that game that that's not a game that they walk away with with the victory. So you know, I, I think this is game is – it tilts in Texas Tech's direction. How far, I'm not sure. But to me, it's kind of a strength versus strength here. And I think Texas Tech's strength, which is defense and then getting enough offense – over is stronger than what Iowa State is trying to do in the same direction. Now you talked about scoring buckets and getting offense. Certainly one guy who's not, you know, uh, having difficulty doing that has been Isaiah Brockington, the freshman guard, point guard for the Cyclones. I guess what has he meant to this team? I know we can talk about it ad nauseum about they went from two wins to 20 this year, but uh, has it just been the defense? Has it been a lot of Isaiah? I guess what what has allowed him to make Iowa State so much better? And certainly uh, everyone's noticed as he's the newcomer of the year, by the Associated Press and the Big 12 Conference as well. Yeah, I mean, when he came from, you know, as a, a grad transfer from Penn State, is a guy that didn't score it particularly well. They averaged 12 points a game, and yeah. previous to that had never eclipsed 10 points a game. Now he's been really kind of handed the reins of this offense, and he's done it you know, averaging 18 points a game in league play, you know, 35 against West Virginia earlier this year in a game where that they probably should have lost if not for his Herculean efforts. Yeah. And I th- the way that he scores is different, and you know we've talked and seen about the way basketball has shifted in the last mm-hmm. ten years, where it's get layups, dunks, and threes, 
and get rid of that mid-range game, completely take it out. And that's where he thrives. You know, I was looking it up today on Synergy. He's in the 15th, you know, top 15th percentile in jump shots from the mid-range. You know, and for he averages just under one points per possession when he shoots it from there. And that's about average across college basketball. But Iowa State does not have an average Correct. offensive basketball yeah. team. Like, average for them is as good as it gets. And so for him to take those mid-range shots where he's 6'4", has some length, has really good elevation – on his jumper where it's really hard for a defender and Texas Tech might be the outlier here because they have length but most times it's really hard for a defender to bother him on that mid-range shot and, and you know force him to speed up or contest that and he's really been excellent in that department speaking to Travis Hines of the Des Moines Register who covers Iowa State and Texas Tech playing Iowa State at 8 30 on Thursday we're here at the Big 12 tournament here inside the T-Mobile Center Talking a little bit about defense, I know you talked about that. Obviously, both teams play pretty good defense, as we both know, but uh, the addition of Kevin McCuller potentially on Thursday, he's been out with a high, high left ankle sprain after he stepped on Jamie Dixon's foot. Weird <laughs> weird play all around, um, but he's been out, only played in the three games that he has played uh, in the Big 12, about 49 minutes. But I guess for you, Travis, what's been the biggest – I guess, difference if you've kind of watched Texas Tech a little bit with Kevin McCuller on the court and off the court? I mean, I think certainly he makes them better. And I think what's been so impressive with what Adams has been able to do in the post-Beard era is they're basically the same in terms of you know what you're getting night in and night out from Texas Tech. Like, I think you know, McC- McCuller raises their ceiling, like yeah. what they're able to do. But without him, it's not like – the the floor sinks if that makes sense i think you're going to get a baseline level of execution and performance Mm -hmm. from texas tech night in and night out and then you add him to the mix that raises it we're like if you're iowa state and you take isaiah brockington off that team like the floor completely drops out like they can get much worse where to me texas tech can can hold a level and a standard you know even without them And i think that's a testament obviously to the roster and certainly to the coaching staff and it's funny you mention that because you you alluded to the oklahoma state loss that they had last weekend where it seemed like you've got some guys that have double figure games like a bryson williams or davion warren a couple weeks ago who had 23 points but you have to figure out where that's coming from whereas bryson williams has been that consistent scorer Davion Warren comes in every once in a while when Kevin O'Banner gets hot from the three-point line, that helps them. But I guess from your perspective, what has – or I guess how has Iowa State dealt with the post, much less Bryson Williams, who's literally been, I I would argue, one of the better post players in the Big 12 this year? You know, if if you're talking back to the basket, kind of traditional post-ups, they've done a nice job with that. They double really hard on that and are able to force a lot of turnovers. Where they get in trouble is if they get a big who can turn and face or can catch it on the elbow, turn and face and go to the rim. Then they really struggle because their bigs do not move well laterally. Neither of them... uh, George Condit or Robert Jones are really rim protectors either. So if they can get that double, it helps them because their guards force turnovers. It's not like they're great post-up defenders. They've just found a really way to harass those post-up defenders or those post-ups. If they get a turn and face, like all of a sudden you're stressing that Iowa State defense considerably if you have a big that can put it on the deck. So I know you've obviously watched both games. The first one at Rock Fight and Hilton. The second one, Tech found a way to kind of separate themselves. What was the, the underlying factor that allowed Iowa State to get that first victory? Or I guess, what was there something that really just helped them 
uh, take advantage of a situation because that first one, I mean, you can kind of say, well, Texas Tech had seven players, but they were still playing well. They played good defense. I, Iowa State got cold in that second half, as you kind of alluded to. But I guess in that second game, you had a little bit more of a barometer. What, what did you see that allowed Texas Tech to get that? Yeah, advantage? I mean, I think the uncharitable view to Iowa State is is that Texas Tech had seven dudes yeah, in yeah. that first one. And I think like sometimes the simplest explanation is the right one. And I yeah. think that's part of it. And also I think Iowa State – in January was playing better than certainly they were in February. And part of Iowa State's problem offensively is that it's Brockington and everybody else. And not only is it everybody else, but plans, you know, their starting backcourt is shooting 25% yeah. from three. So, like, plans B, C, D, and E are really suboptimal for an offense. And when you have a league that is, A, def- defense-oriented like the Big 12, mm-hmm. and B, plays the true round robin, the level of scouting and detail is through the roof. So yeah. by the time Texas Tech saw them again last month, you know there was so much film about what Iowa State wanted to do. And if you can take away Brockington, if you can take away the way Iowa State wants to operate offensively and force them into their second, third, and fourth option, they really struggle offensively. And I think that you, know, you get Texas Tech closer to fuller health in that game, and you've got a month more of film on what Iowa State wants to do. And I think you've seen Iowa State's level of play degrade a little bit mm-hmm. throughout the year that you put all that together and I think that's probably why you got that result in Lubbock. I know I joke with people but at one point this was the number eight team ranked in the country back in December. Now they're obviously at 20 and 11. Um, from your perspective or just kind of listening to some, to some fan chatter if you will, how would you consider this season if they did lose on Thursday or if they did win on Thursday? I mean like they, they were the number eight team in the country. They certainly were never the eighth best team in the country. Yeah. I think they had you could argue the eighth best resume at one point. You know, they yeah. beat Memphis when Memphis was an absolute mess. They yeah. beat Xavier when Xavier was shorthanded because yeah. of some health and uh, injury issues. And they absolutely floored Iowa when Iowa was kind of a mess. So they, they got some luck in timing there. But I think, you know, everybody at Iowa State, I think, is pretty cognizant of the fact this team was 2-22 and last year. Yes. Not only 2-22, and but 0-18 in the Big 12. Uh, lost and then lost in the first round of the Big 12 tournament. So lost all 19 games against Big 12 competition. Finished the year on an 18-game losing streak. So to go from that to whatever happens tomorrow, you're going to the NCAA tournament. Like it, it's all gravy. Like yeah. I mean, I think everybody in Ames and at Iowa State is smart enough to know that like this season has outperformed expectations by a hundredfold. Now, does that mean like people are going to be happy if they lose tomorrow? Of course not. But I think when you look at the grand scheme of things, and it also helps to, I think, to temper – maybe temper is not the right word, but when you have a guy like TJ Otzelberger, who Iowa State fans look at as, you know, quote, one of us as a longtime assistant, I think those are guys where people want to see succeed. And that's where you can get the more charitable – view from fans where it's not the number eight team in the country you know fell to you know wherever they are now it's how the hell did they ever get to number eight in the country and they're here now and let's you know roll with this as far as we can speaking of guys that people want to see succeed mark adams one of the texas tech uh, alums from brownfield obviously has taken tech or i shouldn't say taking tech to new heights but he certainly elevated the the program after what happened last year, obviously Chris Beard left. He only had four players, and then all of a sudden he brings all these new guys in where almost every other game it seems like it's not a guy named Terrence Shannon or Kevin McCullough leading the team in scoring, which I think is kind of uh, a huge deal as to why he could be a potential coach of the year candidate because he's literally brought in a brand spanking new team. Yes, he has some pieces from last year, but I guess just to – 
make a long uh, kind of diatribe shorter. For Iowa State and Texas Tech, there's a lot on the line in terms of Texas Tech wanting to keep that number three seed. If they get a victory, they could fall to a four, depending on how things, whoever you kind of look at. Um, for you, what are you looking for in this third matchup other than maybe both teams kind of figuring something out or maybe a, a, a random guy gets hot maybe? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a 40-minute basketball game in a do-or-die situation. I think that's always exciting. And you, know, you look at you know, whether it's Shannon or McQuarrie that, you know, do they get hot? Or for Iowa State, like, can Brockington just be the dude? Yeah. You know, despite, like, you know, Texas Tech's going to throw bodies at him. Can he still just be the dude? Or can, you know, the true freshman point guard Tyrese Hunter have kind of a, a coming out party yeah. on a big stage? Or can Gabe Kalsher, who has been terrible yeah. three-point shooting this year, but has also had games where he's gotten red hot, yeah. can he can he get hot? Same with Caleb Grill. Yeah, Caleb Grill. Like yeah. at home, Caleb Grill at home, I think, is shooting 22% from three. Mm-hmm. Away from Hilton Coliseum, he's shooting over 50%. Yeah. So what that means for a neutral site in his home, you know, yeah. I guess not home state of Missouri, home state of Kansas, who yeah. knows. But uh, I think it should be a fun game. If anything, I don't know that it'll be aesthetically pleasing, but I yeah. think it'll be intense, and I think it'll be close for the majority of the game. I do think, you know, again, like I said earlier, I give Texas Tech a relatively strong you know, leg up in this thing. Well, just with that in mind, I feel like, and TJ kind of mentioned it earlier today in his press conference, but their uh, Texas Tech's focus on defense is going to be to slow down uh, Brockington as they've tried to do with the Moja Gibson. We saw how that worked out. There have just been guys that have really stepped in and, to your point, make their three-pointers if they get hot, and that could be a bad sign for Texas Tech. But I think if they're able to play good defense, I think Texas Tech could get a victory on Thursday. I guess for you, how do you kind of see this going? Or not asking for a score prediction, but if you see Iowa State doing this well, they're going to be in a good position to win. Or if Texas Tech is doing this, Texas Tech has a good yeah, I mean, normally I'd say like, if the game's played in the 50s, that probably helps Iowa State. But like, yeah. that, that's not going to be a detriment to, to Texas Tech, right. right? Like They're going to be able to be just fine keeping this a low-scoring game. So to me, it's almost, you know, if this game's in the 70s, does that mean Iowa State's shooting the ball well and that can give them a chance? I mean, it ultimately is going to come down, I think, to two things if you're Iowa State. Does Isaiah Brockington go bananas or and or, because it might take two things yeah. to beat a pretty good Texas Tech team, does somebody get hot from three? Enough to, to raise the level of what's been a pretty meager offense for most of the season. Once again, that's Travis Hines of the Des Moines Register. He covers Iowa State. He's their beat writer. You can follow his coverage at, I can't remember, the Twitter account. Can you? Travis Hines 21. That's right. I, I always forget if there's a underscore or something because everyone does everything yeah. fancy. But, yeah, once again, at Travis Hines 21. You can follow his coverage. You can follow my coverage at CM Silva JR on Twitter. And then, of course, you can check out all our Texas Tech coverage at LubbockOnline.com or you can check it out in the newspaper a couple days after because it's a late game, as we all know, uh, local print deadlines. Uh, for you, what's your all's website? DesMoinsRegister.com. Get all that information on the Cyclones as well for those that are listening from good old Des Moines or even Ames, Iowa. We appreciate all your readership and everything else. This has been another edition of the Red Raider Podcast. I'm Carlos Silva. We'll talk to you next time.